All right, it's great to see everybody here this morning. We're going to dive in, so thanks for being here uh, on this rainy day. We're in a new series right now on the book of Isaiah, and we're calling it Isaiah, the God we can trust. How about that? Isaiah was a prophet in the 8th century in the city of Jerusalem, and he spoke during a time of national crisis and national emergency. Uh, for about 60 years, Isaiah had a ministry during this, this time with the rise of this fearsome nation, Assyria, the decline of their own nation. Uh, Isaiah began to speak a prophetic message about a God we can trust. And that's what our series is all about. Last week, we started in Isaiah chapter 1, and we talked about how if, if you can define a problem, you've almost solved it. And Isaiah looks at the trouble in his day like we can look in the trouble in our day and the chaos in our day. And Isaiah says these are but symptoms of a much deeper problem. And the problem is sin. Isaiah saw it. We can see it. We're all all a part of it. it. It affects all of us. And the problem is sin. And there's only one answer to the problem of sin. And his name is Jesus. And so Isaiah, 700 years before the coming of Jesus, loves to point to him. He loves telling us the good news of the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. So much so, uh, he is placed alongside Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as what's been called the fifth gospel. So we're going to have a lot of fun learning about Jesus in this series on Isaiah. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus. Well, last week, we did see the house of the Lord with all its problems, and this week, we're looking ahead. We're looking into the future to see what will be. We get a rare glimpse into the future glory of God's house. It reminded me of when Angie and I first saw our house, and we walked through it. I'll put a picture up there today. Uh, Every room had a different color carpet. You ever seen that house? Uh, Maybe your house is like that. Ours was when we first saw it. You have the the red, the the bright red carpet to the pink, to the green, to the purple. It was like living in a patchwork quilt. But we didn't buy the house for what it was. We bought it for what it would be, what it could be someday. And that's what Isaiah is going to do for us. God gives us a vision of the future, and what an amazing future it is. So if you have your Bible, will you open up with me to Isaiah chapter 2? Isaiah chapter 2, God gives Isaiah a vision of the future, house of the Lord. Some of you have been saying, hey, when are we going to talk about end times? When are we going to get to the last days? Today is that day. Check this out. Just listen to this. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days. There it is. You guys are you're either scared or excited right now. I can't tell. <laughs> In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, 
so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, and nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Hey, on a cloudy day like today, isn't it nice to get some sunshine? Let's walk in the light of the Lord. i got to believe that God gave Isaiah this vision during a time of, of chaos in his own day, ultimately to encourage him. And I believe God has put this vision in Scripture today to encourage us. He wants to encourage you and me with this beautiful, bright vision of the future. So what are we going to do? We're going to look at the vision. What does it mean? When does it happen? How does it make a difference in our lives today? Here's the big idea I want to share with you. People of God, we have a bright future. And our future has never been brighter than it is right now. I believe that with all of my heart. A great, great future awaits the people of God. Amen? So let's pray. We'll dive in. God, thank you for today. Uh, Thank you for this powerful vision of a future that awaits us, where you will be exalted above all things. Oh God, we look for that day where peace reigns in every corner of the earth. I pray that today in our own day where uh, there's so much, uh, so many challenges, uh, so many prayer requests, so many fears, Lord, we need this ray of sunshine. We need the bright hope that you give us here today through the prophet Isaiah. So speak to us, encourage us. God, uh, help us to, uh, to just learn more about you as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm, I'm pumped about today. Uh, we're going to be taking a deep dive into this scripture, so stick with me. Uh, look at how Isaiah begins this prophecy. He begins by describing a monumental event. A day will come when God will establish his mountain as the highest mountain. God will exalt his name above every other name. The glory of God will be elevated above all the glory on earth. That day is coming. It's the day that God establishes his mountain above every other mountain. Listen to this, Isaiah 2.2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. So Isaiah here is describing a hill in Jerusalem upon which the temple of the Lord was built. And God in his majesty and glory came to dwell in this temple, on this mountain. He calls it the mountain of the Lord. Now whenever I hear about a mountain, my ears perk up. I'm a Colorado boy. I love mountains. And I brought a picture today of of the mountains from where Angie and I are from back in Colorado. Isn't that beautiful? Right there in our backyard, you got uh, uh, those two mountains, and the highest one is called Long's Peak. Just to give you some perspective, 
Long's Peak there is 14,000 feet above sea level. Isn't that amazing? It's just, uh, it's just one of 58, we call them 14ers, one of 58 mountain peaks in Colorado that are 14,000 feet and above. The most of any state. Would you believe that? And people love to climb up to the top of these mountains and just stand there on the top of the world. So you can imagine my surprise then when I came to Pennsylvania and one of the first things we did was take a little uh, men's retreat to the Pocono Mountains. <laughs> I once heard Paul Tripp describe them as uh, God's speed bumps on the way to the ocean. <laughs> Beautiful country. Uh, but, but, but they're much more of hills than they are mountains, but I do love them. Uh, much different than the Rockies. Well, I share this today because... The mountain of the house of the Lord, right? The mountain of the house of the Lord will be the highest of the mountains. Uh, I want to tell you guys that that mountain isn't a mountain at all. It's a, it's a hill, and it's surrounded by much higher hills. Uh, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, I don't know if any of you have. Maybe you've seen it. I, I have not, but I, I saw this picture. If you want to put up the next picture, uh, this can help you get a sense of the geography of Jerusalem. I think one of the Psalms talks about as the mountains surround Jerusalem. So there you have uh, Mount Zion, and then you have these higher hills. It's not even the highest mountain. It's one of the lower mountains. Uh, there's a commentator, David uh, Paulson, who who's describes uh, Mount Zion there, uh, the Temple Mount. He's, he calls it a, a lighthouse it, it, at the bottom of a soup bowl. And you can kind of see why. There's There's Mount Zion, and, and you've got the, the temple there. That's a temple on the mount there. Uh, mount Zion, and then you have the soup bowl, which are all the other mountains surrounding it. And wouldn't, isn't it kind of amazing that Isaiah prophesies a day when the mountain of the house of the Lord isn't the little bitty mountain, it's the highest of mountains. And God's going to do that. He's going to elevate his name above every other name. Listen to this. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. God will glorify his name in all the earth. And did you see how the nations respond? Next verse, verse 2 and 3 says, All nations, all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So our vision continues here today. Isaiah sees something he has never seen before. He sees the word of God going out from Zion and he sees the nation streaming up to the mountain of the Lord. Have you ever been on a mountain? Does the water stream up a mountain? No, no, no. Water streams down, right? But look what's happening here. The nations are streaming up. God is going to draw all the nations up to himself. What an amazing picture. And, and people are encouraging one another, saying, let's go to the mountain of the Lord. He'll teach us his ways. Wow, isn't that incredible? And look at the result. Verse 4, 
He will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Here's a, a global peace. Isn't this incredible? What an amazing scene. People are learning the ways of God, and they're now unlearning the ways of war. They're no longer training for war. There are no more wars. All those instruments of war, they're turning them into instruments of peace. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. What a day that'll be when God establishes justice and peace on the earth. Isn't that an amazing day? We look for that day. Would anybody like to know when that day would come? I'd like to know. When is that coming, Jesus? When are you going to do this? Isn't it interesting? Isaiah tells us. He tells us when. Maybe you think it's not that helpful. But, but Isaiah tells us that he will, that God will fulfill this prophecy in the last days. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be the highest of all mountains. In the last day, Peace will reign over the earth. Justice will be established. Righteousness. That day is coming. Isaiah calls it in the last days. How did the prophets view the last days? Isn't that a good question? To help you understand how the prophets viewed the last days, I want to introduce a concept to you called prophetic telescoping. Everybody put your thinking caps on now, okay? We're going in deep now. Time to... Get the scuba gear on. The way the prophets looked towards the last days is in many ways the same way that we look at a distant mountain range. If you've ever looked at a distant mountain range, you can see the peaks. They're all there, but but they're almost like up next to each other. There's a mountain on top of a mountain on top of a mountain. And yet, if you were able to maybe get up into the air, Or look at a map. Sometimes there can be miles and miles in between those mountain peaks. And it was a lot like that when those prophets looked forward to the future. They could see the peaks. They could see the events. It would be one snapshot, but they didn't always know the time gap between those events. That's how Isaiah is seeing the future. He's seeing a snapshot. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be the highest of the mountains. Nations will stream to it. Peace on earth, all those things. He sees them all in one glimpse. He has no idea how much time could be between those events, how many miles could be. He just gets the snapshot. We call it prophetic telescoping. It's a telescoped view of the future. That's how the prophets saw the Old Testament. They didn't have all the details. Um, How does the New Testament talk about the last days? Let's take a look at this. Uh, some of the, the women are do, in a Thursday morning Bible study, studying 1 Peter. And I believe you came across this verse a few weeks ago, 1 Peter 1.20. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Isn't that interesting? Christ was revealed in these last times. That's Peter talking... 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Peter wrote a letter and said, in these last days, Christ was revealed. The last days were ushered in with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at another verse. This one's from Hebrews. We studied Hebrews earlier this year. Hebrews 1.1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Here's the author of Hebrews. A couple thousand years ago saying, in these last days, God spoke to us through his son, Jesus. All the prophets were, were looking ahead to the last days. And in these last days, God's revealed himself through his son. One more, Acts chapter 2. You guys know the scene. Jesus has risen from the dead. It's about 120 followers of Jesus. They're gathered all together on Mount Zion of all places. And Jesus said, wait and pray because I'm going to send power and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you are going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what happens? The Holy Spirit descends, right? This moment called Pentecost. And Peter gets up and he begins to preach to the crowds. And in Acts 2, 16 and 17, he says, he says, describing the scene happening in that day, he says, this was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. In other words, he's saying, these last days, the prophets talked about they are beginning to be fulfilled. Right in front of our eyes. Do you see the Holy Spirit being poured out? These are the last days. You know, when I thought about the last days, I always thought about the future. I don't know if that's you. When I'm thinking about the last days, I'm always like, okay, last days, that's, that's in the future. But what is, what is the New Testament telling us? The New Testament is telling us that the last days described in the Old Testament began with the coming of Jesus Christ. And now he reigns, he rules in heaven, and we are awaiting the culmination of those last days when Jesus returns in glory. So if I can summarize it for you, what are the last days in the New Testament? They are the days of Jesus the Messiah between his first coming and his second coming. Uh, people are like, oh man, you guys seen like this, uh, you know, this thing's happening and it's, is it the last days? It is. We are, I like to say it this way, we are in the last days. It's been the last days for quite a while now. <laughs> we are in the last days. Everything predicted in the Old Testament is beginning to come true. It's exciting times, but we are in the last days, but the last day is yet to come. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Hope that makes sense to everybody. So what does that mean for Isaiah 2? Let's go back. Let's go back to the prophet Isaiah. This is how the New Testament talks about the last days. So Isaiah 2, what does this mean for us? If we are in the day of Jesus Messiah, if we are in last days, what does this mean for us as we come to Isaiah 2? It means this. I'll put it up again. It means the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy has begun and it will culminate at some point in the future. Does that make sense? The last days, beginning with Jesus Christ all the way up till today, we're waiting the day when Jesus returns. The prophecy that Isaiah looked to, it's being fulfilled. It's already begun, and it will culminate at some point in the future. So think about this. With the coming of Jesus Christ, 
God established his mountain as the highest above all mountains. God sent his son, Jesus, the Messiah, who was lifted up on a cross in the city of Jerusalem, crucified for our sins, buried, risen from the dead, ascended into glory, seated at the right hand of God the Father, who now has the name that is above every other name, ruling and reigning until all things are brought under his feet. The mountain of the house of the Lord has been established as the highest of mountains. Listen to this. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, that is an amazing verse. Jesus has been exalted. He is the name. He has the name right now above every name. He sits on a throne in heaven today. He is alive and ruling and reigning. And Jesus said, if I would be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. And that prediction of Isaiah is being fulfilled right now, today. The nations are coming to Christ. And the good news of Jesus, Messiah, has gone out from Jerusalem, remember? From Jerusalem, beginning there, to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And today, the nations are coming to Christ. And nothing can stop that. Listen, the devil cannot win the war for the planet because Jesus has already won the victory. And the victory of God will be seen in every place and in every nation on planet Earth, just like the Word of God says. And if you don't believe me, I would just ask you to check out this video. Thanks.
guys see it, church family? We're in the midst right now of one of the greatest revivals the world has ever seen. The nations are coming to Christ. We're on the heels of this promise right now. Think about it. The fact we're studying the book of Isaiah today, are you kidding me? A Jewish prophet from the Jewish scriptures looking at a Jewish Messiah, a Jewish God. We are the fulfillment of that promise. You are the fulfillment of that promise. God's word is coming true before our very eyes. It's pretty amazing what God is doing right now. I know what some of you are thinking, and you're like, oh, come on, Brian, have you seen the papers? Wars, rumors of wars, hypersonic missiles. What about the promises of God? When's that going to happen? I just want to remind you how those Old Testament prophets looked at the future. They saw the peaks, but they didn't always know the time gap between those peaks. So we come to verse 4, and, and we said it before. We'll put that up again. The fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy has begun. And we're waiting the culmination at some point in the future. That video, that's just the beginning. The gospel will continue to go to every nation on earth. When Psalm 2 God says, ask of me to the Messiah. Ask of me, I'll give the nations as your inheritance. You guys think Jesus forgot to ask? No way. He will have the nations as his inheritance. That day is coming. It will culminate at some point in the future. And so Isaiah looks to a future beyond the horizon with the coming of the end of the age. Verse 4, he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will not train for war anymore. What a day that'll be. Can't wait for that day. And people take three views of, uh, of the end of this passage. Some people say that this verse, verse 4, is describing a peace that is going to take place in history. As the nations continue to come to know Jesus and the gospel goes around the world, we will experience a peace unlike ever experienced before in the history of the world, even before Jesus comes. Some people would say that's a peace in history. Others would say, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's uh, the peace of the millennium, that thousand-year reign of Christ. And still others would take a different view of the millennium, and they would say, no, that's the peace that we're going to experience in the new heavens and the new earth. I'll let you guys figure out all of that on your own. But no matter how we get there, that's where we're going, amen? We're on our way there. We're, I know the end of the book, and so do you. Jesus wins the victory. And in Revelation, John, the apostle, he's taken up to a high mountain, and he's given a vision of the Jerusalem from above, the new Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, the highest of all mountains, it's coming down. Behold, I make all things new, and new heavens and a new earth. Listen to this. Revelation 21 and 22, verse 22. John says, I didn't see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. 
and the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. It's almost an echo of Isaiah. The nations, come, let's walk in the light of the Lord. Nations walking in the light. He says, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Whew. That's where we're headed. Great, great future awaits us, church family. An amazing future. We don't all know all the details how we get there, but Jesus is coming, and he will bring his peace on earth. And if your name is written, in the Lamb's Book of Life, you'll be there. I'll be there with you. It's going to be a great time. And we'll experience a life we've never experienced before. That's what Jesus came to give us when he died for our sins and rose from the dead. An eternal life with God. It's already started. We're already experiencing it. You're already experiencing the joy of a relationship with Christ today, here. And it only gets better, people as we look towards eternity. So let's talk about closing applications. And I want to encourage you, we have a bright future. I know it's a dark, cloudy day, but guys, our future has never been brighter than it is right now. We have an amazing future ahead of us as the people of God. Isaiah says in verse 5, Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The future's bright. So come, let's live right now in light of the glorious future that God has for every one of us. And I think for today, that means three things. As I was reflecting, these were the applications that I was making to myself. Three applications, trust, optimism, and peace. I'm, I'm a preacher, so it is an acronym for TOP. <laughs> the highest of all mountains, the top of the mountain. Trust, optimism, peace. Let's talk about trust. This Isaiah is changing what I trust in. It's amazing the things we put our trust in. The things we take our pride in. I trust in my, trust in our success. We put our trust in a relationship. We put our trust in a, a political party. And Isaiah's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because the mountain of the, the Lord, that's going to be the highest mountain. Every other mountain is going to be brought down low. This is where Isaiah goes. A few verses later, I'd encourage you to finish up the chapter. This is what Isaiah says. This is where the world is going. The arrogance of man will be brought low. And human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. He goes on to say, stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. I hold them in esteem. I 
I think about all the things I esteem or take pride in or put my trust in. And I'm just reminded today that, in the, that God will be exalted. He will not share his glory with another. And so it's changing what I trust in. Why would I trust in anything else than God himself? I'm trusting in Jesus more and more. Number two, optimism. Trust, optimism. This is changing me. Isaiah is giving me a new sense of optimism. I'm excited about what God's doing in the world. When you guys saw that video, didn't it excite you? What God's doing? I, I am excited. And I'm optimistic about what God's doing in, in the world right now. Jesus is on the throne. I, I think as Christians, sometimes we can get so focused on the bad things happening around us. You know, like global pandemic, vaccine ma mandates, 666, the spotted lantern flies. Oh my goodness, the world is so bad. You know, like this is the end of days. Especially the spotted lantern flies. <laughs> and I look at Isaiah and he's like, let's talk about the last days. Let's talk about God being glorified over everything else on earth. Let's talk about the nations coming to Jesus. Let's talk about a peace that is coming to the entire earth today. I read that, I get excited, I get a little optimistic. And I hope you do too. We have a lot, Christians, today to be optimistic about. The, the day is dark, but the future is bright. And Isaiah is saying, come, guys, let's walk in the light of the Lord. It's trust. I'm trusting in Jesus. Optimism. Last one, peace. Isaiah talks about laying down our weapons and pursuing the cause of peace. And so maybe today the application is as simple as this. I'm in a relationship, and it has been a battle. And today, I'm laying down my weapons. I choose peace. As much as it depends on me, I choose peace. I'm going to turn my sword into a plowshare, and I'm working now for the cause of peace within this relationship. I want to lay my weapons down today. I hope you'll do that. I hope I'll do that today. It's trust, optimism peace. Our future's never been brighter than it is right now. So come, church family, and let's walk in the light of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for a beautiful vision from Isaiah of how you're working in the world. Jesus, continue to exalt your name in our lives. Be exalted in this house. Be exalted in this world. Help us to see that there is nothing greater, nothing more secure, nothing more lasting than you. And forgive us for trusting and taking pride in all these things on earth when you're saying, trust in me. Come to me. And I will be your security. I will be, be your strength and your joy. God, for those of us today who've been fighting, Lord, we lay down our weapons and we choose the cause of peace. We choose to look forward with optimism, to walk in the light of the Lord and to trust in you and you alone. We give you our lives. We give you this week. Help us to be encouraged by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.